Home for Christmas. Home for Christmas. I, I want to talk to you today about the greatest announcement. The greatest announcement. There are all, all types of announcements in our, in our world. And, and one of the things I like about Christmas, I like a lot of things about Christmas, as you well know. You, are, you, you know I like eggnog and uh, have to report to you that this week my wife made eggnog cookies. Amen. It was good. It was real good. Uh, eggnog cookies. And I love Christmas trees and Christmas lights. And I like Christmas cards. My family, every year, we take a Christmas picture and send out Christmas card. And a lot of you got our Christmas card, just our, our way of expressing our love for you and your family and just love to you. And we, we love, we look at all of our Christmas cards that we've taken in the past and just kind of look at them and compare the years and look at the, how the kids have grown, look at how we have grown and just I love Christmas time. I love receiving Christmas cards. And, and how many of you realize that Christmas cards have changed a lot over the years? I mean, you know, years ago, you know, 70s and 80s, you know, people would send out Christmas cards and all the Christmas card would have, you know, maybe on the front of it would have a candy cane or maybe some wise men or shepherds. And then, you know, you open the Christmas card up and all it would have in there would say, Merry Christmas. And then somebody would just sign their name, you know, just sign your name, the Coopers, you know, and that, that was the Christmas card back then. And that's how they, that's how they came. And, you know, it was an incredible Christmas card. If you got the candy cane and opened up Merry Christmas and they signed it, the Coopers, and, and then there was a Polaroid picture. I mean, that was another level of a card back in the day, you know. You get a Polaroid of the family, you're like, what? Look at the family Polaroid. I mean, that was another level. Now Christmas cards have went to a whole new level. People send Christmas cards now, and there's like 10 pictures on the card, and, and they're, they're tri-folded in all kinds of ways. They're folded and nice, and, and nowadays people will put a Christmas letter. Anybody have family or friends that send you a Christmas card, and they put a Christmas letter in there? Yeah, I mean, get, people send Christmas letters, and we have some people that do that. They send a card to us, and it's a Christmas letter. And the Christmas letter, you know, they'll start writing, you know, January, I had gallbladder surgery. You're like, Really? Like, really, you're going to talk to me about your whole year in your letter. I just wanted a Christmas card. You know what I mean? I mean Christmas cards are at a whole new level. People make all types of announcements in their Christmas cards. Gallbladder surgery, Lulu's getting married, and we got another grandbaby. And I mean, that's all kinds of announcements that come. And, and people send crazy pictures nowadays on their Christmas cards. I mean, you get a Christmas card, they'll have dogs on it. You ever had that? I mean, people put a dog the dog is featured on the Christmas card. Merry Ruff Ruff. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, really? The dog is on the Christmas card. I mean, Christmas cards are crazy nowadays. I have some examples of just Christmas cards, people announcing stuff. Check this out. Yeah, God bless that family. Amen. You know what I'm saying? So, Merry Christmas from our family to yours. Check out this one. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> surprise! I love that. Check out this next one. Check out this next one. Yeah, I mean, there it goes. A dog. I mean, I know some of you think that's cool. I think you're crazy. The dog is featured on the Christmas card. Come on, somebody, help them. So check out the next one. Merry meow meow. Some of you are like, oh, that is so cute. That's nasty. That'll kill you. Stop that. That's nastiness. This is my favorite one. Check this one out. This is my favorite one. It's been a rough year, honey. I'm about to kill you. Merry Christmas. You know what I'm saying? Like, you've been on my last nerves this year. That Christmas card is awesome. <laughs> People make all types of announcements at Christmas time. And throughout the year, we receive all types of announcements. And what I want to do today is I want to talk to you about the greatest announcement ever. The greatest announcement ever given to mankind. 
We find it in Luke chapter 2, and picking up in verse number 8, it says, And there were shepherds living in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Here it is. He's getting ready to give us the greatest announcement ever. Check this out. The greatest announcement ever. Verse 11. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. The greatest announcement ever. A Savior has been born to you. The Messiah, the Lord. It's interesting that the angel started off the announcement by saying, do not be afraid. He's getting ready to make the greatest announcement ever, and he says, do not be afraid. And then the next thing the angel says is this, I have good news. Do not be afraid. I have good news. Because you, you know why? Because all news is not good news. All, good, all, all news is not good news. We receive a lot of bad news. We're kind of conditioned in our culture to receive bad news. I have an iPhone, and on my iPhone, I, I have several news apps on my iPhone. And I, I have it set to where I get notifications from the news, and I'll receive breaking news. And, and most of the time when I receive breaking news on my phone, it's bad news. It's bad news. Just recently, I got breaking news, and it said, Tony Romo hurt again. Like, Lord, help Tony. Help my Dallas Cowboys. What is wrong with Tony? Keep him healthy, Jesus. Heard again. We lost last night again. Amen. I'm praying we lose the rest of our game so we get a high draft pick. Pray for your pastor. Amen. <laughs> Just breaking this. Okay, on a more serious note. More serious note. I mean, seriously, you get bad news. Just recently, the Paris terrorist attacks, the San Bernardino shootings. Just all the time, breaking news. And every once in a while, I need my, my news app to come up and say, do not be afraid. I have good news because it's just, it's never good news. I have some, some people who call me, and when they, when they call me, I know it's going to be bad news because the only time they call me is when it's bad news. You have some family or friends like that. When they call, you, know, you kind of get emotional. You know, you got to, their number comes up on the caller ID, and you start kind of getting, oh, Lord, what is this? You know what I mean? And you know, every once in a while, you need them to call, and you need to answer, and they need to say to you, do not be afraid. I have good news because every time they reach out, it is bad news. Some of you have received some bad news this year. You received some news that a relative passed away. News that you lost your job. News that a relationship ended. You received some news about a bad health report. There's bad news everywhere. But what I want you to understand is that the birth of Christ is good news. The real meaning of Christmas is good news. It's the greatest announcement ever. It's good news. And sometimes, even in church, we can make good news bad news. Some of you, you know, you go to church every once in a while. You've been to a church or you watch a preacher on television and, and, and you thought, you know, you're like, this, this is not good news. Because they said, you're going to go to hell, hell is hot, and you're going to burn, it's hot. 
you're going to burn up bad. It's hot. You're thinking, I don't know about Jesus being good news. But I want you to understand something, that Jesus being born is good news. And I want to share with you just a few reasons why the birth of Jesus is good news. Number one is this. It brings great joy. It brings great joy. Notice back in the text I read to you, Luke chapter 2 and verse 10, it says, But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Did you realize that God wants you to have great joy? God doesn't want you to live a life just full of depression and full of frustration and full of, of just constant anger and full of never smiling and just frowning all the time. Jesus was born that you could live a life of great joy. But the angel said, listen, the Bible says this, I bring you good news that will cause great joy. Jesus being born doesn't automatically bring great joy to everyone. But when you accept Jesus as your Lord, as your Savior, he brings great joy. He causes great joy. He was born to cause. It doesn't automatically happen. But when you accept Christ, he brings joy into your heart, into your life. God's presence in your life. God's presence in your home brings joy. The psalmist said it like this in chapter 16, verse 11. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. Notice the word there, fullness. You see, God doesn't want you to have half joy or a third worth of joy or two-thirds joy. When you get in God's presence and full of his presence, he, he brings fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Great joy comes from having a relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. No matter what you're facing today, no matter what you're going through in life, when you know Christ, he brings great joy. That's why the apostle Paul, as he was chained to a Roman soldier. He penned these words to the church at Philippi. He's in prison because of his faith in Christ. He's chained to a Roman soldier and he has the audacity to, audacity to write, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I'll say rejoice. You say, pastor, how could Paul rejoice in the middle of a prison cell? Because he had the joy of the Lord in his heart. The joy of the Lord was his strength. Jesus brings joy when he's in your life, when he's in your home. It's good news because no matter what you're facing, you can have joy in the middle of the storm. Number two is this. Why is this Baby being born named Jesus. Why is it good news? Number two is this. A Savior was born. A Savior was born. I want you to notice in Luke chapter 2 and verse 11, it says, Today in the town of David, a Savior, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. A Savior has been born to you. Friends, we all need a Savior. None of us is perfect. We've all made mistakes. We've all blown it. And you see, our mistakes, our sin 
separates us from God. Adam and Eve were born. They had, God made Adam and Eve, and they had fellowship with God. And, and sin came in. They sinned. They made a mistake. And sin separated us from God. And God looked down and saw humanity separated from him. And so God sent Jesus. And he, she, he was born through a virgin named Mary. And he sent Jesus to bridge the gap between us and God. A Savior was born. Ephesians talks about this in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1. It says, as for you. You were dead in your transgressions and sins. And what you used to live when you followed the ways of this world, and we've all followed the ways of the world. At one time or another, we've all followed the ways of the world. We've all been dead in our sins. That's how the Bible describes it, dead in our sins. He goes on to say this, and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient, all of us also lived among them at one time. I want you to catch that. All of us. All of us have lived worldly lives. All of us have been dead to sin. All of us have lived among them at one time. And it goes on to say, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and faults. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath, but because of his great love for us, we were deserving of wrath. We were deserving to spend eternity separated from a loving God, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Christ was born into the earth, that we were dead to sin, but now we can become alive in Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. Here's what it goes on to say. It is by grace you have been saved. It's by grace you have been saved. Everyone at all of our locations joining me, joining me online right now, say these two words. Everybody say, free gift. Say it one more time, free gift. It's by grace you have been saved. All of us need to be saved from our sin. So a Savior was born. We, we, we don't have to be hopeless. We don't have to live life without hope. Listen, we were dead in our transgressions. We were separated from God, but a Savior was born to save us from our sins, that we could be forgiven of our sins, be made right with God, have relationship with our Heavenly Father, spend eternity in heaven in His presence. A Savior was born to take care of our sin problem. And friends, that's why... Jesus being born is really good news. He saves us from our sin. Number three is this. Why, why is it good news that Jesus was born? Number three is this. It's for all people. It's for all people. Notice what he says in Luke chapter number two and verse 10. He says, but the angel said to him, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Some of you have this lingering thought in your mind right now. Herbert, I know this is good news, but I don't think it's for me. I know what I've done. Pastor, I just, I know it's good news, but it's not for me. I mean, there, God, surely this is not for me. I have to be disqualified because of what I've done and, and how I'm currently living. It's good news, but, but it's not it's not for me. 
But I want you to understand what the Bible says. The Bible says it's good news for all people, which includes you, no matter what you have done. Love, forgiveness, grace, hope in Christ is for all people. It's for you. Friends, that's super good news. The Bible describes it like this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 14. It says, either way, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, that's you. Christ died for all. We also believe that we have all died to our old life. He died for everyone. No matter what you've done, how you've blown it, he's died for, he died for everyone. So that those who receive, come on, everybody say receive. It's a free gift. It's a free gift. Those who receive his new life, receive his new life. God wants to give you new life. He wants to give you a new life of joy. He wants to give you a new way to live, a, a new way to think, a new way to talk, a, a new way to love. He says they receive this new life, will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. Friends, here's what I want you to understand. Christ was born for all. Christ lived a perfect life for all. Christ died for all. Christ rose again on the third day for all. That all could be forgiven. That all could receive grace and mercy. That all could know their heavenly Father. That all could spend eternity in heaven. Christ died for all. He was born for all. It's good news. It's really, it's really, it's really good news. And the scripture says, to those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Who receive God's gift, his free gift, is his son Jesus. Jesus is a free gift. A savior was born for all people. And the real question is, will you receive this free gift? There's a... A cute story about a Christmas play, Jackson Elementary School. And they had an annual third and fourth and fifth grade play. And it was that time of year again, the Christmas season. And it was really big in that whole town. The entire town would come out. It was this annual tradition. And, and this year as the teachers were preparing the students for the third, fourth, and fifth grade play and Christmas play, there was a little, little boy named Sidney. And Sidney was kind of rambunctious. Never was still, always moving, you know. Tell Sidney to stand still. He's going to bounce and move. He's kind of into everything. Just kind of, just kind of Sidney, just kind of, just kind of everywhere. And the teachers were trying to figure out, what are we going to do with Sidney? How are we going to make him a part of the Christmas play? And the teachers finally figured out, we got a spot for Sidney. We're going to make Sidney the innkeeper. And we're going to put a big box around Sydney to represent the end, just to keep him still. Put a big box. And Sydney, you got one line in the whole play, one line, Sydney. When Mary and Joseph walk up to the end, you just say, There is no room. That's it, Sydney. That's all you do. There is no room. Sydney had one line in his box. And so they practice and practice and practice the play for days and days and days. They practice the play. And it was finally the day of the big town play, the Christmas play. Parents were there. The town showed up for the play. And 
like normal, and it was a beautiful play. It was going off so well, and the choir was singing, Old Little Town of Bethlehem. There were shepherds and wise men, and finally you see Mary and Joseph walking down the center aisle. As they were walking down the center aisle, they were getting close to the inn and finally arrived at the inn, and they they said to the innkeeper, Sydney, do you have room for us? Do you have room for us? And Sydney froze. He locked up. He's not saying anything. Mary and Joseph get a little nervous because we're thinking, we're not going to have baby Jesus. And so they, do you have room for us? He says nothing. It's awkward. The entire town's watching, parents watching, and little Sydney is frozen. And people from the backstage, teachers are saying, There is no room. Sydney, 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 there is no room. The other little kids start turning to Sydney and whispering, Sydney, Sydney, there is no room. There is no room, Sydney. There is no room. Sydney's. Finally, one of the teachers in the back screams out, there is no room. There is no room. Mary and Joseph knew this was their cue. They turned away and began to walk away from the inn. As they were walking away from the inn, Sydney said, wait, wait, don't leave. I'll make room. Don't leave. I'll make room. <laughs> you got to love Sydney. He messes up the whole Christmas play. He got his own version of the Bible. You got to love Sydney. <laughs> Cute kid. You know, I'll tell you today, don't leave. Make room for Jesus in your heart. Don't leave this place today without making room. With all the busyness of the Christmas cookies and the preparation and wrapping the gifts and shopping and the trees and the pursuit of happiness and the pursuit of financial stability and the pursuit of health and the pursuit of good relationships and the pursuit of it all. Don't push out Jesus. Make, make room for Jesus. Because here's what I know. If you will make room for Jesus, he'll change your life. He'll change your life. A Savior was born, Christ the Lord, the Messiah. He came to bridge the gap. He came for all people. It's good news. A Savior was born to take away our sins. It's a free gift. Will you receive this free gift? Would you make room for Jesus? Don't leave. Don't leave. Make room.